Hello. Hi. Welcome to Drinking the Kool-Aid. Welcome. I'm Megan. I'm Hannah. And I've got a really, really strange story for you today. Okay. Um, I like strange. <laughs> okay. So, I think. Well, well, oh boy. I'll tell you, there's actually no murder. Okay. I like strange. <laughs> It's um just so weird that I was like, we actually have to cover this story. Um, it's going to be the story of Natalia Grace. And it actually starts off with a question. Okay. Well, geez, you're just throwing all sorts of weird things at me. All right, I'm ready for it here. What is the question? Okay. So the question is, did a girl's parents force their adopted daughter to say that she was an adult and then abandon her? Or was she actually an adult who was pretending to be a child and trying to kill them? That is a very (laughs) intense question. It really is. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be unraveling that a little bit. Um, This has been compared to the 2009 horror movie called Orphan. Ah, okay, okay. Did you see that one? You know I did. Okay. Well, uh, then you can tell me if I found the correct information, because if you're like me and have not seen the movie, um, Google says that it is about a couple who adopted a child from Russia that had a condition that stunted her physical growth. The child turned out to be a woman posing as a child, and she murders several people, including her adoptive father. But unlike the movie... The story we're talking about today is very real. Um, did that kind of cover it? I'm sound familiar? It does. I'm pretty positive it does. Okay. Uh, it's been a while. Sure, sure. A long while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I don't think Google would lie to me. That's what it that's what I like remember of it. So Cool. And as you're talking about it, it's like I'm vaguely remembering bits and pieces. So. Yeah, I'm never going to watch that. Yeah, I know so. you definitely never <laughs> Nope. <laughs> but I remember seeing the commercials, so I know what the girl looks like. Are you sure you aren't talking about Mama? Because that shit, like, stuck in your head for some reason. Mama. Yeah. Are you sure you're not talking about that one? Dude, I fall asleep with my TV on, and I'm telling you, I would always wake up to <laughs> Mama. Stop and it's the it. worst. Um, no, didn't she have like some type of blue dress or something in Orphan? Am I wrong? I don't fucking remember, dude. <laughs> what year did you tell me it came out in? 2009. Yeah, see, there's the problem right there. Don't start with me. It's it's you question me on if I remember it, and I try to tell you I do, and you don't remember. <laughs> Oh, um. whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, that's actually a really fair point. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, well, let me tell you about Natalia Grace. Okay, clearly I need to go watch this again. It's been too long. You might as well. <laughs> and you can report back to me. Okay. So Natalia Grace went on the Dr. Phil show and she said, quote, I actually thought I'd found the right family after bouncing around a lot of families. I thought I'd found the right family for me. Ooh, hold up. This was on Dr. Phil. This is going to be good. (laughs) Yeah. Super spicy. Natalia was adopted by Christine and Michael Barnett in 2010, and they already had three sons. So notice that this was in 2010, and the story is being compared to a movie that came out in 2009. And the reason that I point that out is some people say that they think that that's where this all came from, but there's not really proof of that. Okay. The Barnetts were experienced foster parents, and they ran a children's daycare from their home. Christine said, quote, I always wanted to have a large family, and I had very severe complications in my pregnancies and was unable to have more children. I also, at that time, had a very privileged life. I felt that if I had the ability to help another person in the world, then I wanted to do it. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. Absolutely. I mean, 
Maybe not in this specific story. However, like if you have a privileged life and you can give back and you can give a better life to someone, I think that's amazing. Yep. Natalia says that she was told she had been with 30 different families, but she doesn't remember it being that many and actually has basically no recollection of most of the families she was with. And honestly, I don't know how that works um you know i don't know if people maybe start blocking some of them out is that like i don't know what's like they didn't give an explanation of she has no explanation for this okay okay and nothing was provided it's just she was told that it was 30 different families and she's like well i just don't recall it being like that i mean it's definitely possible you can block things out without realizing it, of course. Sure, absolutely. One family did return her to U.S. Social Services when she injured another child in the home. Um, She explained that, quote, one of the boys, me and him, were really close, so we wrestled almost, but I landed on his arm wrong, so the mom thought that I was trying to break his arm. Okay, that actually does happen. Yeah, it absolutely could happen. I literally was in that exact scenario in, like, high school. Sure. But it was just with wrestling team and the exact same thing happened. And, yep, almost got I, that. Well, I actually think that person did get kicked off the wrestling team, if I remember correctly. Nice. They accidentally broke somebody else's knee. Uh, yeah, they were, like, wrestling while there was, like, another tournament happening. Mm-hmm. But off, like, behind where... It, we, where it's not supervised? Right. Okay. Yep. Sure, sure. Whoops. <laughs> so I know that in um the Dr. Phil episode, he kind of questioned Natalia on this a little bit. You know, like, was it just this incident yeah. that made them, like, immediately want to call it quits? Was there more leading up to it? And she was like, I, I don't remember. I don't know. So the Barnetts were only given 24 hours to complete an emergency adoption. So they raced to the adoption center in Florida to sign the paperwork and pick up their little girl. All they were told was that Natalia had been in the U.S. for two years. She had dwarfism. She was um, with a Ukrainian birth certificate, and her date of birth was September 4th of 2003, so that puts her at six years old. She needed a home immediately because her previous adoptive parents were suddenly giving her up for undisclosed reasons. That's a lot to take in. I would be doing the same thing as them, yep. Yeah, I mean, you'd be kind of frantic with 24 hours. Are you kidding me? Michael said that the first red flag was actually on the day that they went to pick Natalia up for the first time. And this is, of course, just the way that he's perceiving it. He says, quote, day one. We get Natalia. We're in the adoption agency waiting to meet her for the very first time. Her former family's in another room surrendering her. The next thing you know, the door opens. The girl comes running in saying, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. Smiles all over her face. Right, exactly. And Michael is kind of taken aback. He like pauses for a moment and he says, quote, wait a second. What child is being given up by her parents and is instantly calling somebody else mommy, daddy, and is happy about this? Yeah. Like, that's kind of a weird situation. No, no, no. I mean, most kids, I mean, most. Yeah. Obviously, not all, but a a majority of kids will be a lot or like terrified in that type of situation and a lot more kept to themselves wanting to not be, you know, like they have a tendency to like hide behind a adults that they're comfortable with like their legs or you know like they won't want to go into that situation at that age and she's never met them and it is a little weird because she's got a previous family that's surrendering her yeah and now she's just running to the new family like hey mom hey dad and it's like whoa yeah (laughs) okay right away the family noticed though that natalia was extremely nervous So they knew that she was going to need extra support and care. As they walked to the parking lot, they noticed that she could not walk, and there wasn't anything about this in her paperwork. Natalia has a rare form of dwarfism called diastrophic dysplasia, 
which affects cartilage and bone development, and she also has scoliosis, which causes a sideways curve in the spine or backbone. Over the next few days, they got to know their daughter by taking her out for ice cream, having playful pillow fights with their three boys, and they took her to Disney World. Um, okay. They were, like, doing everything, and I don't know how they planned this so you quick. You can adopt me if you want. <laughs> I'll go to Disney World and eat ice cream. Oh, my. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Actually, I'd rather go to uh, Crime Con over Disney World. If I was given the choice. Okay, well, fine. Be that way. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I've always wanted to go there just once, at least once in my life. Maybe someday. Maybe. When you're like 90. Okay. All right. Well, I don't really know if riding the rides at 90 is a great thing to do. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But shit, it's worth a shot. Yeah. I mean, dude, just don't wear your teeth. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll don't be wearing my skin out. by the end of it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to have the time of your life. <laughs> I'm really excited it, it for you. It feels like it. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the Barnets were not prepared for having to carry their daughter everywhere, and it was pretty exhausting. When they took her to the beach for the first time, the boys rushed into the water, but Natalia obviously had to, like, wait and hold back because she needed to be carried. So Michael and Christine, they were so tired. So they asked her, like, hey, can you wait a few minutes? All of a sudden, they say that she got up and ran to the ocean all on her own, and they were stunned. They're like, wait, what? I thought she couldn't walk. I wondered if you were going to say that at some point. And, I mean, she couldn't walk during the entire trip, but now she's running? Like, what? The family had a Ukrainian friend, and they asked her if she could speak in their native language for Natalia. Like, maybe she'd have a little piece of home. But she couldn't understand it, and she was not able to describe her homeland in any way. Okay. And, I mean, that would have been her first language if she had only been in the U.S. for two years. Right. And, I mean, so if you've been in the U.S. for two years, that means you were there for four. Yeah. Which, and and she's still young, obviously. Yes, of course. You had to know something. You would definitely remember... Like, you're talking at four years old. Very much so. So... Very much so. Yeah, I can can see where that would be a little strange. Yeah. Michael pointed out that it's odd that Natalia was supposedly born in Ukraine, but didn't have a detectable accent, and did not seem to recognize any Ukrainian words and couldn't remember anything about her life there. Shortly after the adoption, Christine and Michael became suspicious about her real age. They felt like she was way more mature than six years old, and she talked like a teenager and didn't want to play with toys. She actually seemed to want to spend time with teenage girls, and she was very well-spoken. Christine says that she was giving Natalia a bath one day, and she noticed that she had full pubic hair. Yeah, I had a feeling that's what you're going to say. And so she's like, um, excuse me, like this girl's supposed to be six. What the hell is going on? She also said that she found clothing in Natalia's closet and in the trash that had remnants of a menstrual cycle. Christine said, quote, Natalia was a woman. She had periods. She had adult teeth. She never grew a single inch, which would happen even with a child with dwarfism. Ooh, teeth. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And Christine said, quote, It's very hard to decipher how old she is because she has such a unique look. But at the time, I started to believe she was probably a teenager, but I didn't have any regrets. This was what I wanted to do. I felt overwhelming love for her. That's all sweet. It is, yeah. And it wasn't just Natalia's age that had the family concerned. There were other things going on as well. 
And I will say, before we go too far into this, Natalia disputes all of this. So it's very, like, back and forth, he said, she said. Okay. And I'm telling you, I don't even know what the hell is going on. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool, okay. cool, cool, cool. Um, once they questioned her about her age and identity, they say that she started to act out. Christine saw Natalia attack a baby boy on the baby monitor when she was out of the room. They attended therapy together, but Natalia said that the bonding exercises were childish. She didn't want to do them. Christine told Daily Mail TV that Natalia threatened to stab her family, would stand over them while they slept, tried to poison her coffee, and even tried to push her onto an electric fence. So if that's true, honestly, that's a I'll take lot. like all of that over the um her staring at me while I'm sleeping. I, I hate, hate that the it. most. Yeah, it's just I'm telling you, if somebody is standing over me when sleeping, no, absolutely yeah, not. That's no. a big problem. It's not. Nope. Hate it's it. just not going to happen ever. Nope. Yeah. No. No. Natalia does deny all the claims of trying to harm or kill the Barnetts or their children. She told Dr. Phil that the claims were all just a big misunderstanding. Christine confronted Natalia after watching her pour pine salt into her coffee. Oh! And she says that Natalia told her that she was trying to poison her. Just flat out laid it right there. Yeah, but Natalia does say that, like, In the Dr. Phil episode, she explained how it was a misunderstanding. She says, like, I never told them that at all. Um, She said that the coffee and cleaning supplies were sitting on the table, and she, of course, has a small reach, and she was trying to clean and bumped it. She said she never, like, physically picked it up and tried to pour it in, but she thinks that Christine had all these ideas in her head against her already and took it the wrong way. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, of course, they are like, okay, we have an extreme issue going on. And they figured that maybe she had some mental health issues. So they did take Natalia to a stress center to be evaluated. And Michael said, quote, while at the stress center, she was documenting. She was telling the doctors. She was telling therapists. She was writing down on her notepad, not only am I trying to kill Christine, but I'm going to kill the brothers too. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's what I'm going to do with their bodies. Okay, well, do they have any of that? I mean, if she was literally doing it while she was there. So this ends up being a big court case. So a lot of the information we don't have access to. Okay. So I questioned that a lot, too. I was like, all right, I mean, that's pretty damning. Where is that evidence? But, yeah, I guess, like, they, um, the judge did issue a gag order, so they cannot say. Okay, that's pretty solid in itself, though. Potentially. It could be. Yeah. Um... They say that she would make statements and draw pictures saying that she wanted to kill her family and roll them in a blanket and put them in the backyard. Um, so that's specific. That. And not good. Does not feel like something a six-year-old would say, but. Could be. Could be, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. They say that by 2011, she was smearing blood on walls and mirrors, making death threats, jumping out of moving vehicles, and hearing voices. This is escalating so fast. Yes. Christine also says that Natalia was hiding knives all over the house, including on top of the cabinets and fridge. But even with a chair, she honestly would not be able to reach those places. So this doesn't entirely make sense. She spent a year being treated for various psychiatric disorders, spending days to weeks at a time at the St. Vincent Indianapolis Stress Center. 
Christine says Natalia tried to drag her onto an electric fence during a 2012 birthday shindig. Whoa. Um, She was placed in long-term programs at a state-run psychiatric unit because she posed a risk to others. Christine said that it was during treatment that Natalia admitted she was older than she appeared. Now, oh, she... Well, okay, wait. Yeah, so per Daily Mail TV, they say that she did actually present paperwork to them that appears to confirm her version of events and shows that healthcare professionals did share the same concerns as the Barnetts. So if that's the case, I would certainly want to see that. Right, right, right. You know? One of Natalia's therapists say that in January of 2012, she confessed that she was 18. Okay, I mean, we're getting places. Right, yes. At LaRue Carter Hospital in Indianapolis in June 2012, staff members said that she described how she tried to kill family members and had no remorse about it. She told them it was fun. It was in 2012. It was, I'm sorry. It's not fun. I mean, I haven't done it, but it doesn't sound fun at all. We have very different definitions of fun. We sure do. I mean, come on. So it was in 2012 that the Barnetts decided to file a motion with the Marion County Superior Court in Florida. And this is where things get real weird, okay? I mean, they were they not were, weird before. But this really changes the course of everything in this case. Okay. So they filed to have the date on Natalia's birth certificate changed from 2003 to 1989, which would make her 22. So they're saying she's not a child, she's an adult, and they're choosing the date. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. But just straight choosing it. Yeah, they're like, we think she was born in 1989. Okay. So. All right. Okay. Christine says that they did bone tests to prove that Natalia was 14 or older at the time of adoption. Once the bone density tests proved that she was 14 or older, Christine switched her princess outfits and pink dresses for clothing that would be more appropriate for a teenager. In 2010, Children's Hospital says Natalia was eight, not six. Oh, my God. But in 2012, the bone density test says that she's 11, not eight. She's fucking all over the place. Then again in 2012, Stop. the Barnett family doctor says that her bones and teeth prove that she's 14, not 8. Oh my god. So it's like nobody can agree what's happening here, but from these tests, I mean, the oldest they put her is at 14, and somehow she jumped to 22 per the court. Shit, can you imagine just all of a sudden being drinking age? I mean... <laughs> Damn, that was fast. Wowza. But, like, actually, how are they going to be finding dead people and being able to, like, give you every bit of info on them within a few minutes, but they can't right. fucking figure out her age? And I understand that she does have a rare form of dwarfism, and so that probably complicates it, but there has to be something. Yeah. Like, that just, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. The Barnetts said that they fully believed that she was not a little girl. She was an adult with mental illness. So Michael said, quote, once her age was corrected, she was going to be admitted into an outpatient facility. The Barnetts say they absolutely did not abandon Natalia. Michael said, quote, after her age was corrected and she was released by the hospital that she was an inpatient, which, by the way, for nine weeks straight, she was under 24-hour observation and care. They all agreed she is an adult. Okay, that's... Also pretty solidifying. Sure. The Barnetts had the court correct her age so that she could receive the appropriate psychiatric treatment for an adult. At that point, she was considered an adult by the state of Indiana and was legally responsible for herself. 
Once she was released from secure psychiatric care in August of 2012 and placed under supervision of state health care provider, they got her a social security number, applied for benefits, food stamps, and an ID. In 2013, when she was discharged from the psychiatric unit, Michael said that things became really tough because Natalia just, like, shut down on them. And she chose not to return to the Barnett's home after the hospital stay. She was sent to a halfway house for a while until she asked them to come get her. Indiana State Police Detective Brandon Davenport testified that it actually was Christine who told Michael not to pick up Natalia from the hospital. And then later, she changed her mind and had him go pick her up. So that right there is not looking good if you're going to believe the police instead. Right. The Barnetts decided to rent her an apartment, and they furnished it. Natalia says that she was only eight years old at the time, and she was living alone. And the Barnetts would stop by and leave canned food for her. She was enrolled in an adult school, and she said that Christine told her that she needed to tell everybody that she was 22 years old. Okay, being if she really was eight at the time, though, it's like, awful. Being alone at eight, are you fucking kidding How me? How terrifying! I'd be shitting. And I think that's one of the major problems with the story is like you don't know which side to believe. If you believe Natalia, then this is an awful, awful story, and it's complete abandonment and mistreatment yeah. by leaving an eight-year-old child alone to take care of themselves. But. If you believe Michael and Christine, then it's awful for her to be lying about her age and taking advantage of their generosity. Whichever side it is, they it's both still suck. shitty. Yeah. yeah. Christine says, quote, We helped her set up into an apartment near the town we live in. We paid her first three months rent. We set her up with disability, social security, and food stamps. I checked on her a couple times a week to make sure everything was fine. She lived in that apartment a year on her own. And that right there, too, makes you kind of wonder, because, like, could an eight-year-old live on their own for a year? I don't... I would think feel not, like but... that would be very simple to do. Yeah. Um, Maybe one that was, like, had to grow up real fast, or sure, one that was, Sure, because that like, does happen. Right, or one that was, like, trained to uh-huh. kind of do that type of thing, but... One that's just out of, you know, like, no. Yeah. I just don't feel like a a normal, typical eight-year-old. It doesn't feel right, but I don't know. I mean, I will tell you, there ain't no way in hell I could have ever made it as an eight-year-old. I would have been dead in a few days, man. Not only that, but I feel like um, we would have been crying to the neighbors immediately. Oh, for sure. Like, like there's no way. 100% yeah. banging on their doors. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we didn't even like it when mom and dad were gone for too long. Dude, mom know? lost me in a store for like 30 seconds once and I straight panicked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I had her paged over the loudspeaker one time. That's true. I'll tell you what. You want a look that'll kill you? Whew. I mean, I've gotten that look probably a lot more than you have, I know, so I know but very I'll, well. I, that one sticks <laughs> in my head because she did not find that funny. No, I bet not. <laughs> um, so Natalia lived on her own for a year, but she caused some problems which I don't know exactly what they were because I couldn't find it in any of the articles, but She was evicted from the property. They asked her not to renew her lease. Okay, so big problems. Yeah. The Barnett stepped in and rented her a new apartment so that she wouldn't be homeless. Christine said that she would provide one more year of financial aid because that's exactly what she would do for all of her children. She co-signed the lease and paid for a year of rent, bought furniture for her, and helped with groceries. Christine said, quote, I was optimistic. She had a concrete plan for life. 
She had food stamps. She had social security income for the rest of her things. She had demonstrated that she was able to live. They were communicating with her daily to help her come up with a plan to enroll her in college, get her um, a high school diploma, and she wanted to study cosmetology. During one of Christine's trips to Natalia's apartment, she found a little pink dress in her closet and a little pink bike was parked near her house. Since she was adult, or since she was an adult, they couldn't really force her back into treatment. But they were worried because they were like, okay, is she starting to go back to her old ways and act like a child? And I keep thinking about it over here and I'm just like, as awful as it would be if like an eight-year-old was alone, I just feel like too many adults were involved in this to like not realize that they were like still a child. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially if they are telling the truth about all of this psychiatric care. I feel like hopefully the doctors would pick up on it. But I will say from the Google searches, you know, I I did a few searches to see what people are talking about online. And I, a lot of people really believe Natalia. Okay. So either there's um, a lot more information that I couldn't find or, you know, and maybe. Yeah, I just feel like too many adults would have been involved to like. Yeah. I mean, Considering it is a child being put, like, in an apartment on her own, if it was, you know, so many people would have really been outraged. And there was clearly enough evidence for the court to rule in their favor, you know? And that is, and it's, that's a whole nother thing, because, like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to get past that? Because they really try to protect, you know? Right. Like, kids specifically. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me, I look at it and I'm like, wouldn't it be difficult to like prove that somebody who is, you know, saying they're eight is actually 22? Yep. But I don't know. In July of 2013, about a month after Natalia had settled into her new apartment, the Barnetts announced that they were moving to Canada. Okay. Their 14-year-old son, Jake, was diagnosed with autism at age two, and he had his first academic paper published at age 12. At age 14, he was an astrophysics prodigy and was given an opportunity to study at a prestigious physics institute. Jesus! Yeah, I know. I was like, are you kidding me, kid? (laughs) I got Um, myself out of bed this morning. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're killing it, dude. Thank you. <laughs> um, he was offered a position in their graduate program, and he would get to spend time with Stephen Hawking. Oh, my. Yeah. Bro, this dude. <laughs> so the family dropped everything, as you do, so that they could get their son to this university. I mean, okay, actually, I would. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> when they moved to Canada. Natalia had pretty much vanished and stopped returning their calls. They feared that she was not taking her medications and was posing as a child again and maybe trying to get a new family. But they're so far away, like, what could they do at this point? They did receive a letter in the mail stating that Natalia had changed the beneficiary on her Social Security income and it was no longer Michael. ruh <laughs> The last time they spoke to Natalia, she said she was cooking spaghetti for her new family. Oh, oh boy. So. Oh boy, oh boy. I guess we know what's happening. Christine and Michael got a divorce in 2014, but they were both taken to court for neglect for abandoning Natalia. A trial date was set for January 28th of 2020. Allegations stated that the two of them ditched their daughter and then left the country. Michael Barnett says, quote, there was no running to Canada. They feel that Natalia is a woman who scammed them. A new couple, Antoine and Cynthia Manns, unexpectedly applied to become Natalia's guardians after meeting her. They tried to prove that she was a minor to restore her original birth date. But the Barnetts filed an objection and claimed, no, she's an adult. Michael Barnett showed up for the hearing with her primary physician and therapist. After testimony, the judge decided to uphold 
the 2012 decision to change her birthday to September of 1989. The judge says, quote, You're legally an adult. You have been legally an adult. You probably need to start living your life like one. Damn! (laughs) During an interview with Dr. Phil, Natalia's new adoptive parents said that they had been together for almost seven years and she was a genuine and loving person. They said that she still, to that day, did not have her menstrual cycle, and they wanted the Barnetts to be prosecuted and to serve time for what they had done to her. Antoine and Cynthia said that Natalia still had baby teeth when they got her, and they took her to Michigan for tests, and it was concluded that she was 14, not 22. There isn't sufficient evidence to overturn her age and bring her back to a child. But again, how was there sufficient evidence to make her an adult? Right, right, right. Yeah. Who knows? Christine's trial date has not been set yet. A judge has dismissed most of the charges in August of 2020 because they're not applicable since another judge determined that Natalia was an adult and the statute of limitations were exceeded before the charges were filed. Multiple courts have ruled that they couldn't pursue any charges relating to Natalia's age because she is an adult. The state did appeal this, and the Supreme Court declined to hear the case. Michael Barnett was charged with neglect of a dependent, neglect neglect of a dependent resulting in bodily injury, neglect of a dependent resulting in serious bodily injury, and conspiracy to commit neglect of a dependent. Okay, but like, what the fuck would literally be the reason for doing this? Well, let me tell you. Oh. (laughs) Damn, all right, girl, you got this. So to explain the bodily injury charges, because I was very confused by this too. They're saying that Michael endangered Natalia by putting her in an apartment with two flights of stairs when she clearly had a disability. Oh. Which actually is kind of shitty when you think about this. I'll break it down a little more, too. Um, Natalia testified that she was afraid to crawl up the stairs and she did not have any mobility devices to assist her. Um, She had a lot of pain, which increased while she was living on her own, and it was alleged that if she had been given access to medical services or if she had surgeries on her hands and back, she might have avoided the increase in pain. She said that she fell several times in the clawfoot tub and she had a difficult time using the appliances. The affidavit shows that Natalia was the one that contacted the police in 2014, saying that her adoptive parents moved to Canada and she was left alone. The document says that when an officer spoke to Michael, he admitted that he knew all along that she was a minor child and that they abandoned her. The document says that, quote, Michael Barnett admitted Christine Barnett told Natalia to tell others that she looks young, but was actually 22. Michael's attorney says, no, no, no. His client did not say this, and the statements were taken completely out of context. A letter from the Barnett's primary care physician, Andrew McLaren, dated March 2012, stated that Natalia's 2003 birth date was obviously inaccurate, and it was his belief that she made a career out of pretending to be a young child and she had fooled him, her parents, and other physicians. Detective Scott Klaus of the Westfield City Police Department told them via email that he transferred the case to the FBI and ICE because he suspected that there was false age reporting prior to Natalia leaving Ukraine. Holy shit! Unfortunately, this detective passed away. And a colleague said that he didn't think the FBI ever pursued this or did anything. Well, But it's very interesting, if that's true, that he's like, you know, did he find evidence? Who knows? But what made him think that? I I would love to know. 
the the police department gives a very different version of events than what the Barnetts say. A September 11th affidavit of probable cause states that an expert at the Peyton Manning Children's Hospital named Dr. Riggs carried out bone density tests in June 2010 and concluded she was eight years old. Another skeletal test the was... The fucking ages are just... I know, every, bouncing everywhere. Every, yeah, they're just so all over the damn place. And another skeletal test was completed two years later at the very same facility showing she was 11. Dr. Brad Tinkle reviewed 10 years of Natalia's medical records and testified that her form of dwarfism causes her skeleton to be malformed. She has limited functions and movement of her arms, elbows, legs, shoulders, feet, neck, and hands. She has a severely curved spine and a tilted pelvis. No, (laughs) a pelvis. Um, (laughs) I lost my spot now. A pelvis? Holy <laughs> oh crap. Um, which combined with her permanently bent knees and contracted ankles would make it very difficult to walk. Her condition also makes it impossible to put her heel flat on the floor, so she walks on her tiptoes. The report says that she struggled to walk 10 feet without assistance. She was in physical therapy, and the goal was to get her to be able to walk 120 feet. Dr. Tinkle says Natalia had limited mobility, and this would make it really difficult for her to reach items on a shelf, use a top-loading washer or dryer, or use a stove with control knobs that are located on the back of the stovetop. She would have difficulties getting in and out of a clawfoot bathtub, and she would not be able to use the freezer because it was located on the top half of the fridge. Oh, damn. And she would likely have trouble with stairs because there were 27 of them going from the sidewalk to her second floor apartment. I mean, that's too many for me, even. I just fell (laughs) backwards down three stairs the other day. (laughs) Three. That's all it took. Okay. <laughs> um, I fell in the kitchen with no stairs. <laughs> so I had to order uh, slippers with the little oh. things on the bottoms of them. I, got, I have socks on with those yeah, little grippy things. Yeah, the little things. grippies because yeah. <laughs> I'm like 90. Don't you, <laughs> so. don't you have one of these? The um, like kitty pairs? The kitty pairs of socks with the little ears? Yeah, I... Did I don't know where they went. Oh, so okay. Well, let's get I the grippies on them. Okay. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is, like, truly, when you think of this, okay, so if you're going to make the argument that, yes, she was an adult, then I do think it's still wrong that she was put in this apartment, even if they paid for it. Because, like, to put somebody, you know, with, like, disabilities... Yes. In a second floor apartment with all of those stairs. I do agree with that. And with everything out of reach for her, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I do do have to agree with that, yes. I, you know, I think that that's wrong. Um, I guess maybe you could say it's a complete oversight on their part. Like, maybe it wasn't something they were thinking of, but... Sorry, when you take on a child like that, that is something you have to think of. It is. No, it's very true. But I mean, didn't you say also, though, that they weren't informed when they first took her in? Or was that just the walking? They weren't um, informed of the walking issue of the fact that she couldn't walk. But remember, they were taking her to physical therapy and doing a lot of things. And at that point, before the apartment, they had had her for a couple of years. Right. No, I meant, yeah, I meant it. Like, more or less, is, like, they didn't realize what they were getting into in the beginning. I agree. Yeah. I absolutely agree that they did not realize. Um, Yeah. I think it was a lot more than they knew. I also don't understand, though, what the hell they would benefit from from this situation if it were to be like she were she was young. Yeah. Um, like, what the hell are they benefiting from it? Because, like, you know, like, it's just it's pointless and obviously a lot of things are pointless but like serial killers they kill for a reason you know there's usually something behind it like Mm -hmm. every it's just like what would what what possibly would they benefit because like she would benefit of course because she's getting 
you know, she actually is older. Mm-hmm. She's, of course, getting a place to live. She's getting everything handed to her, provided for her. Um, That's kind of like, what, what makes no sense to me as well. Yeah, but then what the hell would their motive be? Why would they do all of this for what reason? Yeah. So as far as I could find, like, everyone's just saying that they had decided they no longer wanted her. But that just doesn't and so fucking that's fit. why they put her in an apartment, changed her age, and moved to Canada. Okay, that just doesn't fucking fit to me, though. Right. I mean, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. I obviously could be wrong, but it just, it doesn't make sense because there's nothing for them to benefit out of this situation anyways. Like, yeah, if they were to be doing this to her, there's just nothing they're gaining. Right. So I guess I don't understand. But anyway, sorry. The apartment's owner did actually lower the door handle eventually uh, and the lock so that Natalia could reach it. Okay, that's nice, but not enough. Right. That was the only accommodation for her height. That was yeah. it. And that that's just not going to work. And it's not necessarily, in my opinion, on the apartment owner to have to do that. You should be looking well. for... I don't know. I don't know if that's part of their contract. Um, okay, it's... Well, because here's the thing. I guess here's my point is like, okay, so if you have an apartment that has like, you know, the clawfoot bathtub and all of these accommodations that aren't going to work anyways, then like, how is that their fault? Well... They can't go in and change the no, entire it's, layout. I mean, that's very... It's very true, but there are, I mean, definitely some things that like should be accommodated for. Oh, Sure. Um, and I, and any place should be handicapped accessible. Yes. Um, yes. I agree with that. Coming from somebody who's been on crutches many, 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 many times <laughs> and scooters and all sorts of wheels and all sorts of stuff. Uh, I have been to quite a few places that are not handicap accessible whatsoever and it legitimately pisses me off. Yes. Okay. So they should absolutely be handicapped accessible. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm just more saying like, you know, I don't think that they should have to, um, you know, if, a, if like a fridge or something, they, you know, the freezer's on top of the fridge. Yeah, that's so, something that you should think about when you're looking at the place, yes, right? Yes, and I mean that is something you can also get accommodated not through the apartments, but like or through the manager. But you can actually there's get that probably resources. Like, yes, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Okay, but yeah, um, but the apartment thing, like I, they, they, everything needs to be handicapped accessible. That's, of course, that's it. Yeah, bottom line. Yes. Dr. Joseph Bellflower, an orthopedic surgeon, testified that he operated on Natalia in 2010, and that was to correct her club foot. He said, quote, At the time we saw her, she was using a wheelchair for most of her mobility. She couldn't walk very far at that point. Dr. Bellflower is not sure if the surgery helped Natalia's condition. He said that the Barnetts brought her back to his office for one post-operation visit where they removed the casts, but they did not bring her to any of the typical follow-up appointments after that. Desirita Bustle was hired to take care of Natalia in 2012 when she was living alone, and she testified that Natalia had been shown how to do laundry, cook, bathe, feed herself, and call for help during her 15 visits to the apartment. The jury deliberated for a couple hours and found Michael Barnett not guilty on all charges, and at this point, we are still waiting for Christine's trial to take place. What? Okay. So, and it doesn't look like a date has been set yet either. Okay. Um, So I guess that is ongoing. I do know that there has been some interesting movement. Um, I think it was, uh, I didn't make a note of it, but I think Hulu is trying to do like a show or a movie of some type about this case. But the judge, of course, had put a gag order on everybody involved. So, yeah. So they should not be communicating with Hulu, yet somehow Hulu has information. So. Well, I mean. They're kind of. You know how that works. Yeah. So I think that um, Christine and Michael have been uh, under fire a little bit for that. But I don't know. But again, I just don't 
see where they would benefit from any of this. I know. I mean, moving away and then, like, I mean, if it, like, it's just, it's, I'm very confused. <laughs> well, here's, here's my take on it, too. Um, It gets a little weird because, okay, I, I get it. I know a lot of people do not enjoy Dr. Phil, and that's fine. But I will say he obviously has a team of people behind him that does their research and yeah. looks through all of the documents and the evidence. And from the pieces that I watched that were online from his show, it does not appear that he, like, is thinking she's lying or anything. And so that, to me, is a little strange. Also, if she's with this new family for seven years and they're like, yo, we're not seeing any, like, she's not standing over our bed, she's not threatening us, she's not poisoning us then I don't understand why that stuff was being claimed with the other family. I don't know about that, but I mean, is it possible that she... Just didn't like the Barnetts well, at all or something? I don't know. No, but what if once she got on meds, she kind of learned how to control herself a little bit more? Sure, because she had gone through and, therapy. Yeah, and then once she was like going for round two, she was like, okay, I got it this time because I won't make the same mistakes I did last time. Uh-huh. Could be that type of situation. Or maybe something happened and the Barnett's like completely misconstrued what was actually happening and yeah. thought yeah. that it was, you know, and then you're kind of reading into everything. I don't know. I mean, it would be nice to at least see some of the evidence. Uh, yeah. Because if there is evidence of her actually stating, you know, at um, a therapy session or something that like, yeah, hey, I'm actually 18 years old or something, right. that to me is like... Pretty damning. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, now I get what's going on. No, you know? I agree. I can see where things are getting blown up here. But I don't know. I have no opinion either way because like both sides, there's weird stuff going on. That's just going to have to be one that we... we uh keep following yeah for once they have the court date i definitely want to see what happens with yeah Christine's no i do too because it's gonna be interesting and once hers is wrapped up i think that we're gonna get more information yeah you'll have to keep us posted on this okay <laughs> all right so make sure to follow us on any of your podcast apps tell us the stories you want to hear like us on facebook instagram twitter Leave us a five-star review if you love us. Tell your friends. Tell your cats. Um, bye. bye.